Welcome back to the Nullified Take here on YouTube, where we've got the TNT takes for you on Australian Survivor, Blood versus Water. Um, I am here with my co-host for the season, Jake. Uh, Jake, I haven't spoken to you in quite a long time. I feel like the last time me and you were on a podcast together was towards the end of Survivor South Africa, where we did a retrospective on that season. Uh, how have you been and how excited are you to actually see Australian Survivor back here for a second time uh, after the pandemic sort of had everything shut down for quite a while? We didn't have a lot of Survivor, but it seems like we've had a lot of seasons. Survivor South Africa started us off straight into Australian Survivor um, and then straight into the US season 41 and now again Australian Survivor. How has it been being a Survivor fan and getting all this content? It's been great. You know, since 41 ended, it feels like it's been so long and then you realize it's been like less than two months. And so, yeah. but it's so great to have Survivor back on again. And then soon we're going to have 42 starting and then it's just, we're just going to be spoiled with a bunch of survivor content. Yeah, very, very exciting. Um, I was very excited when I heard that Australian Survivor was coming back and that they were going to use a theme that I am really excited about. I've always been a big fan of the Blood versus Water theme. Uh, I do like it more so with returning castaways because, you know, uh, in general, it's quite funny I say that. I sound like a hypocrite. I don't like it when there is returning players with new players. I always feel like it's an unfair advantage. Uh, they've got too much experience on them. And in the past, normally returning players have got a very high success rate of getting to the end when they come back but for blood versus water season it's always fun to see your favorite players come back and play the game with a loved one like you know to to meet rupert's wife to meet someone like tyson's uh, now wife back then was a girlfriend seeing aris and his brother vitas play together it was a season that i really enjoyed so i was very excited about australian survivor using this blood versus water theme this season uh what did you think of the theme when you heard that it was going to be blood versus water and uh, is it living up to some of the hype out there? And are you as high or low on it as I am? I am a big fan of the Blood vs. Water twist. The first Blood vs. Water season was really good, in my opinion. I, I, Like you said, I really like the dynamic of having returning players because not only are they trying to redeem themselves because most of those players on that season, except for, I believe, Tina and Aris, hadn't won so that not only were they trying to redeem themselves but they were you know worrying about their loved one they're like oh like worrying about them if they're doing well on the other side of the tribes uh, how they're doing and then once you saw with tyson once his girlfriend got voted out a switch turned on he went into game mode and i think we're going to see that in this season as well we've already kind of seen it with david and we'll get into that but I really like it 100%. a lot, and I'm excited that Australian is doing it now. Yeah, I'm loving I'm loving the David that we saw in episode three, and we'll definitely talk about that. Um, one of the things that for me has been very interesting, Jake. Well, a couple of things that you know doesn't correlate with Blood versus Water and how Blood versus Water has played out in the 
I guess, the US seasons in the past. Uh, and, and and one of the things that really didn't correlate that well, or it's not the same strategy being used this season, is the fact that when you lose your partner in the game here in Australian Survivor, it seems like you're an automatic target, where over in the US, it was the exact opposite, where people wanted to work with singles in the game because it meant that they had no loyalty to anybody on the other tribe. That tribe just voted out their loved ones, so why would they want to work with them? Uh, it should make for a very strong number in your alliance. Uh, at the moment here in this season, we're seeing the exact opposite happening. Why do you think that the strategy at this stage is so different compared to the US? Because, you know, if you look at how it's been played in the past, it just does not make sense at the moment. I have absolutely no idea if I'm honest with you. I was thinking the exact same thing. We're seeing the complete flip-flop of what we saw in US. The two biggest targets in the last episode were the only two people on the tribe that had lost their loved ones already, Kate and David. It's just, it's a bit, it's a bit strange. Um, <clears throat> because you're worried about all of the pairs pairing up with each other. You should be wanting to bring in the singles because like you said, they have no loyalty. They've got no stake in anyone on the other tribe now. In fact, they don't like the other tribe. They have a vested anger towards them, like we saw with David. So you should be wanting to bring them in with you. Yeah, 100%. And I'm wondering, for me personally, I had a bit of time to think about it. And I wonder if the size of the tribes has something to do with it because obviously in Australian Survivor uh, you get 24 cast members go out there and play the game there's massive tribes of 12 uh, and 12 playing this game is it potentially too early in the game to vote a loved one out um, at this stage because you just don't know when you're going to get swapped into another tribe potentially with that person's loved one are people trying to play a bit of a safe game here because there's a bit more runway for them to strategize and move in this direction and will we potentially see that strategy change later in the game as more and more people are going to be in the game without loved ones i think we probably will i think that the time for this probably is just going to be delayed um you know pretty well like myself jake when it comes to australian survivor it is a marathon it's not a race absolutely i think you're you're exactly right i was about to say that i think that we're gonna see it flip-flop later in the game they're gonna start waking up and seeing wait a second we need to team up i think that we're going to see the singles team up with each other and say why are we letting all the pairs just stroll their way through the game we got to split them up so i think you're exactly right yeah it's been interesting to see now um this was quite an exciting start to the season i guess if you've watched australian survivor for a long time you probably are quite used to seeing these big cinematic trailers at the beginning it always feels like you're watching a, a sequence to an event like the previous brains versus brawn season was again referenced in the season the mad max style vehicles coming into the australian outback them remaining in the australian outback and then sort of making this feel like it's a follow-up to that season they do that very well cinematography on australian survivor with the limited budget that they have compared to like the u.s season is top notch i'm always very impressed by that from the Australian Survivor uh, productions team and in this season there was no different but the the entrance that really mattered here this season and I was just thinking to myself if the target couldn't get any bigger it just got bigger Sandra Diaz Twine and Nina coming in with a helicopter separate 
from the others that are already in the game and Jonathan immediately letting them know that the queen has arrived. I was dying. I was like, in my head, I had no idea what to expect with how they were going to handle Sandra. You know, with, with Russell, it was funny when he was like trying to say, they're like, why are you a champion? He's like, oh, I'm just a good old boy. And it's like he was like trying to convince them, like I'm not, I'm not. Uh, I'm not electricity. Yeah. And then with with Sandra's Jonathan's like, and Sandra, the two time winner from the United States version of Survivor. I'm like, how funny would it have been if she if they just brought her on as a contestant and no one knew who she was, and then yeah, like he wouldn't have announced it. I thought that would have been really funny. Or if someone was like, wait a second, I think I know you. Because she was saying, like, oh, I, I hope no one knows who I am. Well, it doesn't matter because Jonathan just <laughs> announced it in front of everyone. Um, Marcus and Jenny in the live stream, welcome. Marcus saying, Chrissy's oh saying, gosh. is that Oprah referencing to Sandra? That was really funny. But Chrissy is obviously famously one of the non-fans playing the game. Um, Croc had to tell her about Tribal Council, um, and she still called it something different um, afterwards. Like tribunal. And, and- tribunal and and Willis, yeah. we'll talk about chrissy a lot about in this specific recap because she is one of my two favorites this season i've got two standout players that i'm really enjoying this season and chrissy is definitely there um jenny saying here nina with the iconic sandra line i can't remember that line off the top of my head what was she it? said um i don't know about that when oh, yes, um yeah. when jonathan said are you gonna let your your mother win again i think she she uh he asked her and she says, I don't know about that, which I don't know. Maybe it was a Freudian slip there or if it was intentional, but either way, it was really good. Yeah. Now, obviously, we've got other returning players here this season as well. We had Andy come back for a second time. It was short-lived, and we'll definitely get into his gameplay here in the first episode. Um, I'm a big fan of Andy. Uh, he's been on my my previous recap for last season, and, and he's a really nice guy. I felt really bad to see him go this early because I know how badly he wanted it. I spoke to him even off-air after we did that recap, and he's a real fan of the show. And sadly, I feel like the fans will probably give him a hard time even after this season even though it's undeserved in my opinion um you know he obviously didn't do some things right and we'll, we'll get into that but i do feel like he had a bad hand coming into the season in any case um because the other two players from australian survivor that came on this season sam and mark they're not as big of a threat coming into the season they're not the same level of big player uh that andy was you know andy was seen as someone that really wanted to shake things up and run the show in the season that he played it and he wanted to play this big villainous game uh we don't know as much about sam and mark because they were taken out quite early in that season and we know that they were a power couple but lukey and jericho um and sarah they turned the tables at the ultimate you know ultimately against them and took them out and outplayed them very early that season uh, what was your view on these players coming back? Um, I, I don't like. I believe you've watched all of the previous Australian Survivor seasons, yeah. So you, you you're yeah. familiar with them. Uh, what did you I think am. about them coming into this season? You and I talked uh, off air a little bit about it with Mark and Sam. We both thought they were going to do well coming into this because of their low profile, and I think we're seeing that already. I think Mark has a pretty good grasp on his tribe already. And Sam is do is doing pretty well for herself too. She was able to pretty much flip the table on David, you know, if not for his idol. But 
I knew Andy was going to have a tough time coming into it, although I was really excited to see him play. So I am a bit disappointed that he got taken out first. Um, yeah, 100%. You know, I haven't seen um, season two in a while, so I don't quite remember Mark and Sam too much. But I think they, I think mostly the show just kind of focused on, oh, they're a power couple. Uh, so we didn't really get to know them that much. So I'm excited maybe they're going to, we're going to get to know them each individually more this season. Yeah, I'm glad they're not on the same tribe and they have to stand on their own feet. I think if they were on the same tribe, they would immediately be classified as a power couple again and someone that they would want to get rid of because they both, from my memory, were leaders in very different ways in that tribe that they played in uh, that season. There was a real threat that they were going to um, run the show and get the numbers to be able to get people to vote the, the way that they wanted to to go at the end of the day. Um, I believe Zenhen was another person who turned against them there as well because he wanted to take control um, of that tribe with the, everyone there. They just very early saw a real threat in those two players coming into that season. But um, like Marcus said here, you know, for Andy um, and Kate both being super fans, it is quite sad to see them both um, ultimately get voted out here in the first three spots for the season. Um, Andy coming in this season, we, we see him in this uh, first episode trying to very early on take a bit of a leadership role help the tribe out build the camp um, mark doing the opposite even though he's got special um, forces training uh, probably knows how to put a shelter together is very outdoorsy um, he lets andy do all of these things and he takes a step back not to be seen as the leader um, but one of the things that i did notice with mark is that even though he doesn't want to be seen as the leader he is and all three of these episodes the leader when it comes to the challenges and yep. he seems to be the person that's taking charge there and people are still coming to him even though he's not being a forceful leader i feel like everybody wants to work with mark so in my mind mark in the very very early stages and i don't want to get too far ahead of myself here he could be my my sneak winner pick for the season based off what i've seen in the first three episodes unless they realize how big of a threat he is but it might be too late by that time Yep, I was about to say the exact same thing. He, you know, I think we we both might be getting ahead of ourselves here, but yeah. he <laughs> he has struck a very good balance between leader and non-leader because, like you said, at camp he let Andy take take the reins and look where that where that headed. But I noticed that in the challenges too, he is constantly giving orders. Um, showing people what to do, like in the where you had to like dig the sand, he like showed everyone the like fastest way to get through it. I forgot if they won that challenge or not. I forgot if that was reward or immunity, but either way, he's doing very well in that sense. And him and Nina specifically, I think, are doing really well. On mm. I think it is it the water tribe. A bit funny that they chose to name them just blood and water. Um, yeah. And then, and then Jonathan, yeah, and then Jonathan just calls them red and blue now. So but it's to, to me, to me, that's one of the things I like about Australian Survivor is they don't try and overcomplicate. Like this season, especially, I feel like Jonathan's just like, eh, 
I'm not going to overcomplicate it. It's blue and red, you know, yeah. like um, because last season I was being pedantic the whole season. I was pedantic about um, the challenges and there being a brains and a brawn tribe and there not being enough focus on the brains aspect when it comes to challenges. Like it was just brawn, yeah. brawn, brawn, and I felt it was unfair. So yeah. um, not that this season it doesn't matter if you're blood versus water, but I feel like that's just the premise to get them on the tribes. It's the premise to get them on the show. But then the thing you're going to remember is the red and blue tribes or the buffs that's the most visible thing so make it simpler for the casual viewer that is out there um that won't remember the theme potentially but they're getting really invested uh with the players that are playing this mm -hmm. season now one of the things you touched on there is um the relationship between um nina and mark and obviously that's something that's going to continue to evolve throughout the episodes but um nina had a, a really big big first episode um in the sense that she ultimately uh, i don't know if she watched any of the previous seasons i have a feeling that she probably did um sandra doing her work studying the australian survivor game didn't surprise me before she went out there i mean she does have a title to defend coming into the season um and a reputation to defend and i think also maybe a little bit of fire behind her because some people thought that she quit in winners at war when she left the game and i feel like she's out there to prove people wrong that you know uh, in a sense she said it didn't bother her but i think it did bother her and it's also one of the reasons she would want to come back here and not uh, embarrass herself when she's playing this new season of australian survivor um, I feel like Nina probably did a lot of studying with Sandra prior to the season. It's probably one of the reasons why she was onto Andy pretty soon because she probably saw his game. Yep, for sure. I think she did her research along with her mom. And yeah. like you were saying, with Sandra has to defend her title. I think she's doing a pretty good job so far, just comparing herself to Russell, the only other US player. I mean, she survived one tribal council, which is one more than Russell did. And she's gonna hate it. <laughs> and she did she didn't have a idol hanging around her neck. So that's that's another thing too. <laughs> now I know we've you know we've got a lot to get through here with the three episodes, but one of the things that for me um it's quite interesting is to see the amount of people in the US that are now aware of Australian Survivor. Obviously, they've got the partnership with Paramount Plus. Um, I believe in I believe Endemol Shine is the is the owner of the whole franchise, and and there's some some certain rights that Paramount Plus has over Channel Ten in Australia. So there's a lot more collaboration happening now. With um, I don't think Sandra is going to be the last US player that's going to play Australian Survivor. Let me put that out there. I think we're going to see. Um, in fact, I will go as far <laughs> as to go out on the limb and I'm, I'm known for making big calls all the time and I'm a bit of a gambler, but I think if we see a future international season with Australian Survivor and the US, um, and like Marcus here says, CBS owns Channel 10 and I believe Paramount Plus owns CBS. Um, if we see this in the future, I think an international season is going to be on the Australian Survivor. Uh, I feel like it will be hosted there. I don't know if the US has got the same appetite for it even though i'd love to have jeff probes like involved as a host only let me put that out there as a host yeah. not as an executive producer um i would love to see some really big international crossover in the future what has it been like um with fans over in the u.s you know what's it like for you as a day one -er or a very early u.s fan seeing so many other u.s um people loving australian survivor and talking it up and a lot of people from the u.s saying that it's better than the u.s survivor at the moment yeah for sure i've seen a lot of u.s fans going down the rabbit hole seeing 
oh, there's Australian survivor. Oh, there's South African survivor. Oh, there's New Zealand survivor. That's how I felt. What was it like five years ago when I found just survivor in general, when my sister showed it to me. And I think people, not only are people finding Australian survivor, people are finding just survivor in general, because with the pandemic, when they put it on Netflix, people that got people into the show, they watched 41. Now they're like, oh, I want more. They're finding Australia. It, I think people are going down the same rabbit hole as I am. And yes, I've seen tons of people saying that Australia is better than US. Uh, I don't know about that personally, but I do enjoy it a lot. I mean, it's Survivor. I'm going to love it no matter what. Yeah. Listen, I, I love survivor like i'm obsessed obviously i'll podcast about it so i have to love it but um you know i'm the same like it's a tough one i think that in recent seasons australian survivor has been better but i do think that the u.s has got the capability of pulling it back and getting things right that's why i said don't make jeff probes the executive producer of an international crossover season because i think that yeah. even though he badly wants to be the executive producer the one thing i'm really um enjoying about seeing australian survivor thrive like it's thriving again this season i think it's a very solid start is that you know someone like jonathan lapaglia I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. I'll maybe have to stick to JLP for the rest of this. But, you know, JLP as the host here, and then obviously we've got Nico um, on Survivor South Africa, but I think especially JLP is something that will someone that will translate to an international audience very well. I think that we are proving, um, or Survivor as a whole is proving that the concept is bigger than the person. You know, like Jeff Probst, even if he was to retire and move on, I think that seeing Australian Survivor Thrive and Survivors of Africa doing well with other hosts show us that it's just a bloody good concept. It's a good TV show. Um, no one's bigger than the actual concept or the show. And and there is life after Jeff Probst um, on this franchise. Absolutely. If you just have somewhat of a competent host, you know, I'm not saying that JLP or Nico or anything, you know, less than competent, but... Um, mm. They are, they're great. They're great. Um, you know, Jeff as a host, I think is unmatched, but absolutely Australia and South Africa are showing that it can thrive without Jeff. I Once Jeff retires, if they choose to keep going with it, which I don't see why they wouldn't, I think, I think as long as they find someone, you know, pretty good, then it should be fine. Yeah. Now, Back to this specific episode, you know, Andy here in the first episode being the person that is going to go home. How did you feel about this move for that water tribe? Do you think, uh, you know, especially in sort of where they were, they had someone that was injured and Alex who's recovered since then. But, you know, Andy in his own season proved to be a bit of a challenge expert. He was definitely somebody that I thought was a closer. Like he would come in at the end for each of those challenges for the contender tribe and then later on for the, the new champions tribe. And he would close challenges out and win it. And he was really impressive. I think it's something that a lot of fans forget. They only remember him for his antics or the wild things he wanted to do in votes. But he is actually really good at challenges do you think this was a good move to get rid of him so early um and you know i can make a case both ways for this my initial thoughts was that it may have been a bit early to get rid of somebody that can help you in challenges and puzzles as much as he can yeah um i think it is a bit early for it i definitely remember him being sort of a beast in those challenges like you said a closer i definitely remember 
multiple challenges where he came in at the end where like you had to throw those hammers at the um, pots where he you know demolished that that challenge and you know i think that they just decided that you know it's better to go with the with the trust they just don't trust him and i can see why if you've seen his season and i'm i'm not sure how many people on that tribe have seen the past seasons but i guess the ones that have convinced them that yeah he's got to go and it seems like it wasn't only his reputation that was hurting him it seemed like he made a few mistakes this season specifically i noticed that people seemed to be almost offended that he wanted to go after alex like i think it was khan that said he felt uncomfortable voting for alex which i found a bit interesting um i don't know if it's aussie thing that's like i don't know i'm not sure as an american i it seemed a bit strange to me maybe it's not yeah. maybe it was just a personal thing with with those group with that group of people but i thought it was perfectly reasonable to you know target alex i mean he's he's at that challenge he couldn't he couldn't even compete so yeah i mean would you rather have guy who has closed out many challenges or guy that can't even compete in challenges at the time mm. it was completely there was no way for them to know that alex would recover so quickly so they are lucky in that aspect yeah 100 percent. and um I, I hear you on that and i do think that with australian survivor it was quite interesting sandra spoke about it uh, there's a lot of kumbaya very much like trying to play it nice but also we know that australians love to blindside and make big moves and play very aggressive so i think um they pick and choose what they do when they do it and how it suits them uh, i do think alex has got a very good social game that we're not seeing like if you watch the um videos about them where they explain about their life and who they are i think alex was one of those videos that stood out to me early on where i thought this guy just seems like a really nice kid you know and i think right. that a lot of people wanted to have him around they probably thought that it was his first time playing they didn't want to take that away from him rather right. take it away from someone that has had an opportunity before and i think to make the counter argument for why people did that was i think that um, Andy, if you gave him enough time to work his way into the game, he would have found a way to make big moves down the line. He came in saying he wasn't going to do that and he was going to try and play out the straight up and honest game. I don't think Andy has got it in him not to want to do more than that. And I think that people looked at him and thought, you know, let's get rid of him now while we can before he becomes a problem later on down the line because we don't know what he's going to do. He might try and pull some things off. And, um, I can see the argument for both. I, in my initial thoughts, you know, I definitely thought it was a little bit too early. I still think it may have been a little bit too early, but there was a few players in this episode, day one, that came to play and wanted to assert their dominance. And um, it's two very different tribes. Like, I feel like Water Tribe compared to the Blood Tribe, there's a lot more strategizing going on. There's a lot more cutthroatness. And at this stage, if I had to take a stab at who's going to win the season, I would say it is someone in that Water Tribe that's going to mm -hmm. win it. It's not going to be Blood because I feel like there's more capable players, better players playing the game in that tribe at the moment. And they're a little bit more battle-hardened earlier here by having gone to tribal council a few times. Um, one of the things that stood out for me as well here, Jake, was that very early on, Brianna and Shay 
ended up isolating themselves from the rest of the group and became very close uh, to the point where they found an idol or an idol clue very early on together. What did you think of these two sort of isolating themselves from the group, you know, connecting as well as they did? And then obviously the whole shenanigans with the idol clue being found, potentially there being another clue on the same beach for the same idol, and that anybody could find this idol at the first tribal council. It was quite an interesting, I thought, twist to an idol. It was really interesting. And we saw finally Adam got his wish. And I know we already saw it in South Africa, but now I was I was surprised 41 didn't do it because mm. it was, should have been fresh in everyone's mind. Oh, Adam, he got the, the idol off the podium. But they finally did it, and it was used immediately after being found. But um, still interesting. But to answer your question, it was just – I think they just got too caught up in the idol stuff, Brianna and Shay. Shay seems to have recovered from it pretty well. She seems to have integrated herself back in um, with everyone. But yeah, Brianna definitely played way too hard with just isolating your, themselves, like you said, with, with Shay. It seemed like she didn't really make too many other connections. And it kind of, that, that's what bit her in the end. 100%. I'm going to go back to to that as well, but I do want to bring this up. Um, Marcus here in the live stream is bringing up something about Andy, which I did read myself as well, Marcus. He says that Andy did mention in an exit interview that he does have um, ASD Asperger's and struggles to make connections with people. You can see it has uh, in his mind has one thing, but his mouth says another. So basically he knows a lot about the game but struggles with social connections, which is why on his original season, he was the merge boot um, first up. And I did see that as well. And and it explains a lot about Andy um, in the sense of him not always reading the cues as to when people are going against them or they're not on the same page and him thinking that everybody is on board with him. I feel like Andy's one of those players. If he just had one solid right-hand person, like in his first season, Harry and him, I believe, were closer together than what we got the opportunity to see in the long term in that game because they got split up um, early on in that season. He had he had a better alliance around him, which didn't work out. He could have maybe done a bit more damage um, even in this season, but sadly it didn't work out that way. And then you know the, the rest is history, as they say, when it comes to that. But um, going back to Shay and Brianna, I did find it quite um, like Brianna. I could tell from the first couple of episodes that she's just a high energy kind of person and when you're out there on an island and you're starved and you're in heat and you're feeling miserable, like the slightest little thing is going to annoy you as a person out on the island and her high energy and gung-ho-ness on running things and doing things, I think just really started working on people's last nerve out there on the island. And Shay and her probably have a lot in common. Like, you know, when you uh, go on a school trip and you're in a camp and you meet other people, you're going to gravitate towards people that do the same thing as you. Oh, you're into computer games? I'm into computer games. Awesome. We're friends. So they kind of um, connected on that you know yoga um crossfit physical she does rollerblading you know that yep. they, they're both young good-looking women into their fitness all of those kind of things is what kind of made them bond but um shay i will give her credit um seems to be a lot more grounded and realized that she needed to cut 
Brianna Luce by the time it got to the end of episode two and a lot of other players that are better or, or, or players that have um, played before but may not have the same awareness have made the mistake in the past of not knowing when to cut someone loose and when to move on I mean Boston Rob even made that mistake in Winners at War when he didn't want to move with Adam where I thought it could have been a completely different Winners at War season if he knew that he needed to cut uh, poverty at that time Yep, I think a lot of us viewers say, "Oh, it's so obvious. You need to you need you need to move on. You know, you need to let mm. them go." Um, and obviously, I've never played before, but if I had to guess, it's not that simple. They don't know everything that's happening, you know. But Shay was able. I think Shay did well in knowing that you got to cut her. You got to let her go. You know, there's it's only what was it day like five at that point. You got to move on. There's way more game left to play. You have an idol. There's plenty of, of room to work with there. Seems like she's made herself a bit more ingrained with the rest of the members, definitely, than Brianna did. So I think she did well in that aspect. Yeah, 100%. And um, quite exciting here with the, the, the Tribal Council, first Tribal Council. I want to sort of go back to that one specifically where everybody is racing to get to the idol chrissy also found the idol chrissy is a massive massive player big character really early on in the season um she's going to be the mother figure here in the water tribe and she's gonna uh be the one that i think a lot of people are going to love playing this game with her she a lot of people are not going to see her as a threat because it's going to be very clear that she's not a big fan of the show so i think mm -hmm. Chrissy is someone that's going to go quite deep because of her social game. Uh, and her social game is the thing, like we all know, Survivor is about the social game. I think that's going to carry her pretty deep into the game here. But uh, she ultimately wrestles Brianna for the, uh, shoves it to the side and gets the idol um, and plays it, burns it on the first tribal council. And in hindsight, people might've looked at that and said, you didn't need to play that idol, um, you know, or play it on Alex. If you think Alex is going to go home. But I think when you find an idol that publicly, um, the best thing to do is to burn it immediately and then go back to tribe, do damage control and say, Hey, I just wanted to make sure that this didn't land in Brianna or Shay's hands. And then mm -hmm. they hold on to it. So I wanted to make sure it's out of the game. So I thought overall, even though she didn't have the experience of playing this game before, I thought she played that correctly in that moment. Definitely. I mean, her name was getting thrown out there. You would hate to to find the idol at Tribal Council and then immediately get voted out with it in your pocket. So it's always better to be safe than sorry, especially in Survivor. We've seen it way too many times where people get voted out with an idol, and those players probably had a really good chance to win if they just would have played it. And yeah. She definitely doesn't know the most about the game, but she's a really, really good character. I'm really liking her so far. Like you said, I can tell just from watching her, like she's really likable. And I think she's got a really good social prowess to her where she can make yeah. good connections with everyone. I can just tell from, from the three episodes we've seen. And one of the things I really respect about Chrissy's game and her character and how she is, is that I think she will be, even though she's not a threat, she'll downplay 
herself even more. Like you think she's not a threat, she's low on the radar, but like subtle little comments that she makes. Like for instance, after that episode, um, we see Shay out there on the beach with everybody doing the yoga, getting them into uh, a routine where she's like, you know, Shay's so perfect, which I think is setting up a Chrissy and Shay thing down the line. I think if like, I don't think Shay's aware of Chrissy, but I think Chrissy's going to stealth attack Shay at some point. I'm calling it and she's going to take her out. A lot of people have got Shay as a winner pick. I don't think she's going to go there. I think she'll recover from where she is now. She might be in the game for a little bit longer, but I think uh, that comment alone made me think that Chrissy's seeing her as a target. She said she's so godlike. She's so perfect, you know. Um, she can do uh, one-legged stands on one toe. I struggle to stand up just normally, you know. And it's little comments like that where she doesn't take herself serious. She downplays yeah. the threat where I'm like, I get why she is popular. I get why when Brianna wanted to turn the tide against Chrissy, that was never going to happen because Brianna's got absolutely zero social capital to be able to make that move in episode two. Yep. Yeah, it was never going to happen. I think everyone really likes her. And we even saw, like, Chrissy was being, she was pretty paranoid after, um, <clears throat> I don't know if it was in episode two when they ended up voting Brianna, but, you know, she was going up to people and saying, oh, am I, am I okay? You know, like, she was a bit paranoid, which is usually, like, we saw with David bit him. He was very paranoid, and people were just like, eh, I don't want to deal with that. Let's just get, let's just put votes on him but people were just you know like oh no you're okay they just reassured her and they didn't really think too much of it so I it's, it's funny you mentioned paranoid good. it's it's funny you mentioned paranoid because one of my favorite sections in the first couple of episodes was the whole section about paranoia and where sam spoke to a group of people in the blood tribe and she said hey the first time that i got voted out it was due to paranoia it was due to me second guessing allies and things like that that i shouldn't have um, and people turn against me because they're like we don't need a paranoid person around us someone that's right. gonna drain us all the time mentally and you know emotionally as we go through this game so they cut her um loose at that time and she talks about the fact that she's learned from that and she's not going to do that again and then in the same breath and, and we haven't spoken a lot about the blood tribe and we definitely will get into it for those that are in the live here um we have sophie talking to sandra and sophie saying hey you know i want to learn from the best she's you know, won the game twice for a reason and they talk about paranoia and Sandra talks about paranoia and how different people get different levels of paranoia at different stages in the game and as they're having this conversation the camera shows us Sam and Sam's got that paranoid look on her face she's looking left she's looking right and she looks like this paranoid person and I thought the producers are doing Sam dirty in this moment yeah. and I caught on to it they did it for a reason that's why I don't think like I've I, one of the big fans that um, for those that listen to this live and that isn't a part of the survivor worldwide fans group on um, Facebook, Felipe is the creator of that group. I talked to him quite a lot. Uh, he mentioned to me that, you know, why have you not got Samus your winner pick for the season that alone? And the fact that she hasn't had too much content that convinces me that she's in control of that tribe. I know you mentioned that she was able to turn a vote around and we'll talk about that later mm -hmm. on. Definitely. Um, I think that paranoia is going to catch up to Sam at some point, And I think she's going to go out unless it's nothing. And the producers are just playing with us, but it was brilliantly done. It was one of my favorite scenes of this first couple of episodes. Yep. I thought I didn't notice that, but that's really good. Um, yeah, I agree. She, I think she's just a paranoid person in general. Um, mm. I don't, you know, we haven't really seen her outside the game, but maybe that's just how she is. 
Or the um, game brings it out of you. Like, I, I don't know if she's right. paranoid in real life, but I think that yeah. some people, they, if you put them in a stressful circumstance, you you get different responses from different people. Like, um, I don't think that, I think it's a, a mistake that a lot of fans make when they watch Survivor, where they're like, this is who the person is outside of the game. No, like, yeah. Benjamin Wade is not coach. Like he's a different person outside of the game. Like, I mean, he might have certain things that's coach like, but he's a different person. Like I think a lot of people put on a persona or they become something else, you know, uh, not to reference the arrow there for arrow fans, but you know, um, at the end of it, I think that there's some, some, someone different in the game and it brings something different out of you. And that, you know, I think this is a good point if, if any of the cast members listen to any of our podcasts or recaps this season, if we're giving you crap and we're giving you shit on this show, it is because of your edit. It is not because of you as a person. It is not because of anything else than that. We'll have a laugh at your expense. I know it's bad, but we definitely wouldn't encourage cyberbullying and all that BS that happens in today's society, which is bad. But I mean, it's just who you are in the game as a player and how you're being edited at the end of the day. It's not necessarily who you are. And I think that Sam in the game is coming across that she could potentially be very paranoid again. And I think that Dave, her misreading Dave in episode three is something that could spiral for Sam where she's going to be like, oh, maybe I don't have a, a, a hand on um, where the social dynamics are because I thought David was solidly in my camp and he's not. So who else that I'm trusting is not with me? I think she's that kind of person that will internalize that. Yeah. Uh... I, yeah, I think that the way I was thinking about it, the way she handled that Dave thing, why didn't she just tell him that his name was being thrown out and exactly. that she was so he had a right to be pissed? He had a right, like, yeah. I don't think he handled it correctly either, right? Um, but he definitely had a right to be pissed. Yeah, no, there, it, it, the blame is definitely on both of them. You don't bring that up at tribal council. I mean, that's just. I mean, yeah, he had he had a he had you know all rights to him to you know try to flip things because um, he felt like he was in danger. But why did she not tell him? That would have just solved everything. Because then she's like acting like he should have known that. But how would he have known that? Like he saw there were conversations happening without him, and then she doesn't tell him what those conversations are when they are about him so yeah yeah but, I, I thought i thought i was yeah. i was really personally i was really impressed by dave's like i mean i'm not going to be here and be like i'm dave's number number one fan like he's the best player in the game kind of thing but you've got to give credit to him in a sense that um he as someone that as far as I'm aware, isn't a big fan of the show coming into the season. His daughter was the fan. She's the one who dragged them onto the show. Um, she's now voted out early. He's got to go on without her. And like he said, he's got to carry the flag for her. I was quite impressed by his ability to read. Like, I mean, he misreads social like he's an, he's an enigma to me because he misreads certain social cues and then he reads other social cues very well. Like, for instance, when he's trying to convince people to go for Sandra, like he's right to go for Sandra. Like she's course, the yeah. two time freaking winner of survivor. Him saying that, you know, how much is Sandra going to go after this and say how dumb the Australian players were for not voting her out first. I think Sandra probably would do something like that <laughs> back in the States, maybe not on yeah. Australian media, but she's probably yeah. going to go like, I can't believe these fools didn't get rid of me day one. They should have gotten rid of me. So I felt like he had some good arguments, but 
there must be a subtlety in how he talks to people that comes across as very forceful. He's he's at a different generation where he's, I believe he's in his 50s. Um, you know, at work, I actually, funny enough, just had a conversation today with someone about how to how you have to manage, like I'm a millennial, you know, um, how do you manage millennials and 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 Gen Z compared to how you manage boomers and other people? Like, there's a there's a difference in how you talk to people. And I think that is somewhere down the line where he's not pay, taking people on the journey with him. It's 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 Dave's way or the highway. He even said it, the rules of Survivor is now Dave's rules, and I think that's what turned off. I forgot who the person was. It Josh that was in this tribe, um, the the big guy who ended up going and, and telling Sandra about the fact that he was targeting him. I think it, it was, was one of the big guys in any case that that did that. And we've seen nothing from this guy until he went and um, snitched on uh, Dave with Sandra, and it was quite interesting because that changed the whole dynamic. Yeah, I think it was. Ben, who did that? Oh, Ben, there you go. Yeah, um, yeah, for sure. I think, I, I think it, it might be just an age thing, or just like a, um, yeah, like an age thing. Um, he's just a bit older. Maybe it's just the way he was raised. You know, it's just like, or I think maybe it's just that he's he's never seen the show, or he's seen very little of it, and he's just he's just making some some rookie mistakes. And you're right, he, he has some good things, but it's just a very big flaw. You know, we see the difference between how Nina and Mark handled when they threw out Andy's name. You know, they very, like, subtly, like, kind of convinced people, like, hey, isn't Andy, like, isn't he kind of, you know, untrustworthy? Isn't he kind of, you know... You then know, other people come up with a plan, but you just plant the seeds type of yep. thing, yeah. Ab yep, Absolutely. But with him, he's just like, it's Sandra. She needs to go. This is why you're dumb if you don't think so. You know, he didn't explicitly say that, but he kind of did when he said, yeah. oh, Sandra's going to give us so much crap, you know, if we if we let her go. Which, you know, like you said, is probably true. But I feel like it's a it's slightly insulting to say that because it's like, if you don't make this move, then you're just not making the right move, which is you don't, you never want to be told that when you're in the game, you know, you always, yeah. you need to let people think that it's right for them. You don't need to tell them that it is. What do you think of the obsession with Australian survivor when it comes to Queens and Kings? Like there's a lot of queen talk, King talk. Like, I feel like it's just become a real thing in Australian survivor where everybody wants to be the queen or the King of something, you know, like um, one of the things I appreciated about, you know, um, George is the sense that at least George said, I'm King George. I'm not the King of survivor, mm -hmm. but people here this season, again, talking about wanting to be the queen of survivor or things like that. There's a lot of that talk and, you know, Sandra deserve what she's got the title of queen of survivor. I, Day one wasn't the biggest fan of Sandra, and we'll we'll talk about that separately to this because I want you to finish your thoughts on what you think about the 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 queen statement and king statement of wanting to be this you know like king or queen. It's it's an interesting thing for me. I don't know if it's because Australia used to be part of the Commonwealth and or might still be part of the Commonwealth. Is that why they? No, it's a republic, so it's not definitely not. But I mean, you know, why why do you think there's so much talk about this queen and king thing? Just to me, it's like I'd rather go out there and say I want to become the the devil of survivor or something like that there's already a golden god i might as well become the devil of survivor you know what i mean <laughs> yeah there's there's luke he's king of the jungle there's king george there i believe they called haley queen haley queen haley now, yeah yeah i don't know i don't know what it is we've got a duchess 
<laughs> you know, cars yeah, touches. <laughs> yeah, what is it with just these? They have to have titles, you know, Dirty yeah. Harry. But the I love Godmother. Dirty Harry. Though. That was a good one. Dirty Harry's good. good. I really like that. Um, yeah. The Godmother, the Smiling Assassin. It's like, what in the world? All these nicknames. Everyone's got to have it. Um, I don't know what it is, but obviously Sandra, you know, she got hers way long ago. Uh, 12 years ago, she put on that crown when she won yeah. Heroes vs. Villains. And well, Marcus got... is explaining it there. Marcus is explaining Australia is still part of the Commonwealth, so that's probably why there's so many kings and queens. Maybe, <laughs> yeah. Make, keeps making its way to um, the game. Like, listen, I don't... I don't mind like the nicknames. I don't mind the nicknames, but let's be creative. Let's we don't need too many kings and queens. Like uh, I, I give David full credit for becoming the golden god, or you know, because yeah. who would want to be a king if you could be a golden god? You know, when it comes to right, playing yeah. the game of Survivor, <laughs> golden god's way better than a king. You're above yeah, everyone. Yeah, like. I, I trademark it. If anybody that listens to this live ever goes on there, or you know, if you beat me to getting on the show, then you know, dub yourself the devil of Survivor. If you go out there and do devious mm -hmm. things, you know, like be something different, be creative. Don't be another king or a queen. We've got enough of them on the show. Um, yep. That's kind of how I feel about it. But you mentioned, um, I guess, let me finish my thoughts on Sandra. So Sandra, for me, when she won her first two seasons, like. Um, like the first season, I was a big Johnny Fairplay fan, so I was pissed when he didn't win. Uh, and being a kid, I, I I've always liked the characters. I've always and she was loud. She was like you know giving it stick, but I thought Johnny Fairplay played a great game, and then just didn't get it at the end. And 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 when it came to heroes and villains, I thought Russell and both poverty i know dare say russell but i both thought both of them played a better game that controlled more of the game and she ended up winning it now i look back at it and i have rewatched those seasons as i've gotten older and wiser and i've seen a lot more survivor and i really respect both of those wins and the thing i tell you what that has given me a lot of respect for sandra is that she could have very easily said no to the season there was nothing she's got nothing to prove she doesn't have to come back and play any survivor but one of the things that you cannot take away from sandra is that if the challenge is laid in front of her and she even said so in a recent interview that i saw as well she's retired once again but if they come calling she can't say that she won't take it and i feel like sandra mm -hmm. is that person even when there's a legend season i'm calling it she's coming back she's one of those people that will always answer the call and i have a lot of respect for that you know because there's other players that probably wouldn't do that like i mean i don't think boston rob will ever play Australian Survivor. I don't even think he'll play on the international season. I, it's just my take on that. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean I don't respect him as much, but because uh, like there's this narrative, um, the challenge co-host that I have, Chantel, she always says, oh, Chris, you don't like Boston Rob. It's not true. I like Boston Rob. I've just seen enough of him on normal seasons. Bring him back on a legend season. I don't want him to be a coach again. I don't want him to be the host yeah. of Survivor. You know, mm -hmm. um, he's great. But, you know, I don't think we ever see Boston Rob um, coming back and doing something like this. Tony, maybe. Maybe if they if they offer him the right amount of money, we could see a Tony on Australian Survivor. I think. Yeah, I think I think a difference there is Boston Rob has got young kids. Sandra's are older. We see with Nina, and I believe she has one more that is either, I think, is around the same age as Nina as well. So I think that's probably a big difference. You know, um, you know, just you never want to leave your your young kids back at home. You know, it's, it's always a hard choice for anyone that's ever been on the show to do that. Um, and I, you know, Boston Rob, he's already won. Already has played what five times been a coach on one. So I think that's a big reason, but I do. I love that Sandra's always willing to play because I know, right? right, of course. And I love that 
I, I, I truly believe she thinks she thinks that she can win. And I love that about her is that, mm. you know, the reality is she's probably not going to win. You know, it's just yeah. so there's, it, it's just probably not going to happen, but I do think she truly believes that she can. And I really, I really like that about her. She's very, yeah, very confident in herself. 100%. Now, live stream here, if you guys have got anyone specific, because I know we're talking about a lot of the same players quite a lot, but the way that Australian Survivor is edited, you only get some players edited a lot, yep. and then other players are like smaller players within the game. But if there's anybody else that we haven't spoken about, we're going to definitely touch on a few more players that are playing this season, um, definitely that we haven't spoken about yet. But let us know what other players would you like for us to dive into, what we thought of their performance here in the first three episodes. Um, I wanted to, while we're on Sandra, and finish off on the Nina one here as well. Nina, what a great addition to you know this season. She beats her mom in a physical altercation in the first challenge. Great stuff. She's continuing to do really well in the challenge challenges even the one where they're in the in the nets where they have to climb out and um, hit a flag it wasn't her responsibility to do the climbing when they were strategizing it was whoever she was teamed with but it just so happened that she was the one that needed to do the climbing and she did it did pretty well she's doing the opposite to her mother being a bit of a challenge beast here very early on and she said she came to play her own game and she's going to be playing an aggressive game she's one of those two people that came in in a helicopter putting a massive target on her you know massive target that she's been living with the queen herself and have been trained how to play this game and i think she's picked certain things up from her she's got that more ruthless feisty almost game changes sandra type of um, mentality to her gameplay where she wants to take charge and make moves which i think will mean she's in my mind not going to go all the way she's probably going to be one of those people that are going to get taken out early after the merge or even just before the merge i think people will start seeing how big of a threat she is um i could be wrong obviously on this but she's had a pretty decent edit up until now i just don't think people and again, I've been proven wrong so many times. It's just like, how do you let someone like this go all the way to the end and just take control? And I know she's got some protection with Mark and that's a really good alliance. But I just want to say, well done to Nina um, or, or Australian production for bringing in Sandra and Nina uh, to this season. Sandra obviously doing it to get Nina on the show. I heard rumors that Nina applied for David versus Goliath and was cut um, before the actual final casting. And I think that, you know, casting and maybe Jeff Probst is looking at this if they are watching the season and thinking, oh, we messed up because Nina will now represent Australia in the international version when they play against each other and she'll be playing against the U.S. Yeah, um, I am really liking Nina so far. I think you're right. She There's just a stigma with her, you know, she's Sandra's daughter, you know, she's pro it's funny. Cause they're like, Oh, she probably taught her all her tricks. It's, it's like, what do you think it, that conversation is like, you do this, 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 it's like, I don't know. There is no like blueprint to win survivor. Yeah. It's, you have to just play as you go. And I don't know, really know how you teach that. You know, it's just, you know what I look at better. to what? me, it's like people go into university and they get their, um, you know degree or they get their um master's degree or something like that and i've seen it so many times myself in organizations where they come into the workplace and they're like i've got an mba i should be at x y and z and it's like you do have that but you've never been in the real world you've never actually had to run a business you've never had to deal with practical day-to-day -day stuff happening and I'm sorry to tell you this. There's nothing that beats experience. There's nothing like being in a job, doing it. Um, and I think it's the same thing with her. Like, luckily, she's doing pretty well so far. And it does look like she um, 
probably inherited some of those skills just by being Sandra's daughter. Um, but I do think that being out there doing the game and playing the game, that's very hard to prepare for. Um, and uh, this is a very different season, you know, being out there for 47 days, I believe this season being in scorching heat. Uh, it's it's a, a physically looks like a very demanding season, which we already knew it was going to be based on what we saw in the previous location over in the outback as well. This is obviously in a different place, but still very, very tough conditions out there. Um, I, I can't imagine being out in that heat every single day. I'll probably burn up real quick. I hope they get you know some sunblock or something out there. I guess you. I've seen some of these survival shows where they put mud on themselves to like try and um, shade themselves from the sun so they don't get burned. So I'm sure there's some strategies being used out there if they don't get something like that. Which I know some fans would be like, "How can you give them sunblock?" You know, I, was like, I don't really care too much about the little trivial things, man. Like I don't want to see someone get badly burned out there and then they're like a red lobster the whole time when I look at them on TV. Yeah, um, it's funny you say that you can't imagine being in that heat. Uh, that's that I've I've lived through that every every summer of my life. I live in Arizona. Mm. Um, it gets. I I looked it up. I think they showed when everyone was like, "Oh, it's so hot." It was like forty-one degrees Celsius, which you know everyone knows in America we don't use Celsius; we use Fahrenheit. So I looked it up what that is, and I think it's one hundred four, one hundred five degrees Fahrenheit, which I'm like. Yeah, that's pretty standard for a summer day in Arizona. I used to play baseball in high school. There was one summer we played a game. It was 120 degrees Fahrenheit. And I don't know how I got through it. I, I guess I was just I was just like, oh, yeah, I'm just playing baseball. It's, it's hot, you know, whatever. I don't know how I did it. But and I think I, you know, I'm not saying that all oh, these guys are babies, you know, I would be dying out there too, but it's just funny because people are like, oh, I've never hey, experienced this. I could appreciate I could appreciate it. I'm from South Africa. Africa's hot, man. Like um I, I definitely we, we don't do Fahrenheit, we do degrees Celsius, but it would be probably your equivalent to a normal summer day it could be anything from 110 to 120, you know, degrees yeah. Fahrenheit as well. And um I remember playing rugby like kind of like NFL the the uh, Australian South African version of, of that and the rest of the world. I should actually say the rest of the world version because you guys do your own thing when it comes to that. Yeah. But, um, you know, like I've been out in that heat, but I think being out there for 24 hours a day or consistently being in the sun with no shade yep. and stuff like that, I think it would be pretty rough and tough on the body. body and it's the kind of things that you kind of sometimes forget. It's where a lot of people say you, you cannot prepare for that. And then with the um, blood tribe, they didn't have... I believe I heard someone say they didn't have water until like day three, um, which is ridiculous because they didn't have fire. Um, I would have thought it's bottled water. I'm pretty sure the Australian version has bottled water, but I do know for a fact they didn't have fire until day three, which meant that they couldn't use the the cooking pot to eat food or anything like that. So that was pretty tough. And obviously with this season, um, we don't have the same um, – like. And, and it's, it's hard not to compare Australian Survivor to the US Survivor at times. Um, they get food here, and I'm, I'm okay with it. Like, I don't need to see people starve out there. Um, I know that they did it in the US because there was less days left, but I, I'm okay with the fact that they – like, it's not like they're eating – massive amounts of food i mean that's why kate tortured them when she left and she said she was going to go to kfc um, they're still hungry out there but at least they're getting enough to give us an entertaining tv show they're not zombies out there because they're that mm -hmm. deprived you know like you need to give them at least a little bit so they can give us entertainment on the screen yeah for sure i'm definitely in the camp of give them you know make it hard but don't like make them like just be tortured out there you know i think 41 
I think I read that there was a, a reward when Deshaun, Xander, and Erica got like the chicken and broccoli that they were like, they ate everything and they're like, this did nothing for us. Like that was they, they like Deshaun like started like eating like the leaves that the chicken oh. was laying on because he was like, oh, that's it. And it's just like, maybe don't go that far. Like a reward should fill you up. You should feel satisfied after a reward. So I definitely, I think that um, I don't mind at all that Australia is a bit more lenient with the food and stuff. I don't care. Now I want to touch, um, while we're on this episode, I want to touch on the idol. So obviously we spoke about the first one. Shay got the idol. Um, it was underneath a, like a bit of bark or something on the ground. And uh, she got that one or the clue for it pretty easily. The second one, again, Shay stumbles across this um, beam on the ground with this big hook on it. Like, what does that mean? Obviously, I'm going to look up to see, like, this looks like something I need to grab something with. It's just crazy to me, like, we, like, it's not an Australian survivor thing at all, only, like, it's also the US. It's just, finding idols have become such a dumbed-down thing now. It's not, the, the excitement isn't trying to find an idol anymore. It's playing an idol. It, it really yeah. has shifted in the game. So, we see that trend obviously continue here, and then similar to the other idol, the super idol being found in the middle of the reward, which was them going to the shop and there was uh, the idol basically just given to them and they didn't even have to search for it. So um, what is your opinion about this? I mean, last year, I think I would have been a lot more critical, but I'm starting to lean into it because at some point you've got to try and enjoy the show instead of just looking for the negative on it. Um, I think that the enjoyment now for me isn't so much more in seeing people search for it. It's more about how will they play it and how will they strategize with it? Yeah, you just, you know, with, with Australia... Um, we always say, you know, US has so many flaws with advantages and stuff. You know, Australia has the same same flaws. There's already been what th four idols so far? Yeah, it's standard. Yeah, it's pretty standard for Australia, yeah. by the way. Yeah, three episodes, four <laughs> idols. Yeah. Um more idols but, than people voted out. <laughs> yep, makes sense. Um, so I gotta say, I do not like the the super idol. Not not the um, super idol concept itself, but the fact that it was it was literally just sitting there on the on the easiest shelf. thing ever to get. Eh? <laughs> you, they didn't work for it at all. Khan yeah. literally was picked mm. and just got an idol. Like that's it. Didn't do any. Made, there was no effort made, and that was a bit lame. Um, with the other ones. Uh, yeah, I've just kind of come to accept it. Um, like you said, I'm not going to, you know, lose sleep over it, that there's more idols in the game. You know, it, I've, I think I used to be more like critical of that. Um, I just, yeah, you just got to enjoy the show. You know, you can, you can be outspoken about it. It's, it's just, it's probably not going to change. So, you know, why lose sleep over it? So um with the i i want to touch on the 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 beams laying in the in the on the ground it's funny because it looked so out of place uh in the episode but you realize they like you said they did the same thing in in us i think on ka korong they did it where they had to use the hook thing to get it off the tree but since it's not in the jungle it's in like the desert it's open it, it's just a metal beams sitting on the in the sand like how do you not see it so like i don't know it's kind of funny just her just like stumbling upon oh there's just a beam on the ground uh, i wonder that's funny. what that's for <laughs> yeah what, what could that be for oh i don't know oh there it is 
Um, <laughs> and she, let's see. Oh, and then th there was the whole debacle with um, like Brianna and uh, Khan were like helping her get it. Mm. Brianna, I don't know if Brianna was trying to take it or not, but they accused her of it. I think Khan, um, and we haven't spoken much about him, and I'm so excited that we finally get to talk about him yes. because, like, he's like for me personally, I, like, I mean, I can see a lot of different ways Khan's story can go this season. Like, if Khan does not get taken out uh, pre-merge, he's going to be a real threat to go all the way, and mm -hmm. I'm loving Khan. Like, I am actually rooting for Khan to go deep because. I love the villainous personality that he is, you know, and the deviousness. Like, I mean, there's nothing that he does that that isn't calculated, you know. Like, I mean, that whole thing, like you just said, with the idol being knocked off, and then him very quickly getting in there and timing it. For one second, I thought he was going to pocket it because there's mm, no rule that too. doesn't say if you're the first one there, yeah. you can't keep it. But that would have been a socially stupid move to do in front of everybody and people would have been like i can't trust khan so clearly he's not that dumb but he did that for a very specific reason to make sure that just in case brianna wanted to get her hands on it she's the target we can't mess it up and he gave it to shay which built some trust with shay and yep. um he's talking to mark who he's already noticed that mark is kind of the leader even though he's not trying to be the leader people seem to be going to him as a leader figure and want to work okay. with him and give him information um and, and in any case and i think that you know even when you talk about chrissy chrissy is really closely aligned with khan and she enjoys khan as a personality and someone around camp his social game seems to be very good his strategic mind seems to be very strong um he was definitely the person that carried the vote against Brianna. Not the mm -hmm. only one, but he was given a lot of credit for turning it on Brianna and sending her home. Like Nina was sent, given a lot of credit in the first episode. The one thing that makes me nervous about Khan is that Nina did say in episode one that she's not sure about him. She's reading all the yeah. different people. She's like, I don't know about Khan. So clearly she's aware of him. Does not mean that she's definitely going to get one better on him it could be that khan's the one that takes her out like it could mean multiple different reasons yep. but similar to how you know chrissy has mentioned shay i can see there's some rivalries being set up within this tribe for down the line but i'm really enjoying khan i think he's a he's a great player and i think he's someone to look out for definitely i'm enjoying him too i think that that move to grab the idol quickly and give it to her was really really good that's a very small thing to do but you know he just happened to be in that situation and you know he could have just sat there and watched it happen you know but he chose to you know do something and like he said it's more fun to just play play hard and you know it might not be the best strategy but so far he's doing great and he was able to to you know it, it was in his best interest to do what he did where he grabbed it and gave it shit because he was keeping it away from brianna but then he flipped it and talked to shay about it later and he was like oh we were we were trying to keep it away from her uh because we thought she was trying to steal it and i don't know if shay believed it but if she did that i don't think she did <laughs> i don't think she did but even but so, she knew, like, just sorry yeah. to interrupt you, but she knew she had to play along. She's like, I'm out of the numbers. Khan's got all yeah. the power. I can't save Brianna. And and like we said earlier, well done on her for following along. Yeah. So he's definitely, you're right. Nina did, did mention about um, being a bit wary of him. But I think he's, he's, he's definitely fine for now. Later down the line, I think people are going to wake up. But I think he, even if that happens, I think, 
he'll still be able to figure something out from what we've 100%. seen. He's just he's just a very smart guy. I'm and, liking him, yeah. Yeah. So I want to sort of get into the last episode here. Um, you know, Dave comes out there. He sees that Brianna's gone. Ultimately, we touched on it. He they, they win the reward challenge. He's quite scorned by it, and you can visibly see he's upset, um, and he wants to take names, which in my mind is why if if Dave is coachable, like if he comes back after this episode and he says, Sam, listen, I know you got you turned the votes on me. I know you came for me. I stuffed up. I've got no one in this game. I'm not going to go over to the other tribe. I don't want to work with any of them. They've voted Brianna out. I've got no one there. I want to work with you guys. Mm. You're going to vote out a potential number here with you. Like keep me in the game, make the target someone else um, and use me as a tool. I will listen to your direction. Clearly I was too abrasive and wanting certain things to happen. I will listen to what you want to do. Use me as a number. If he uses that as a strategy, it might save him in this game. And I'm hoping he does. I'm hoping he finds a way back in the game because there is a, a part of me that likes Dave as an underdog now in the story, someone who doesn't get the game, a rookie, someone that needs to learn on his feet. I don't know if he can save it. I don't know if he's got the ability to do that and salvage himself in the spot, but I'm really hoping he does that. This episode was exciting for me in the sense that, you know, they had to choose who was going to go to the reward. And for a hot minute there, it looked like they were going to give Sandra that position where I was sitting there with my hands in my hair and I'm like, you're going to give the most dangerous player in the game the ability to go on her own to this to this um, reward where she can find an idol unsupervised. Like, are you guys smoking something? I was shocked. And, you know, obviously sanity prevailed at the end and David did get it, but how did you react to that? Because I couldn't believe it. I think Sam may have been the one that brought the sanity in. Like I heard some voices there and she's like, let's just send David. He just lost his daughter. Like, I mean, some people were just not thinking. I don't know what that was. And it was really funny because they were like, oh, I think it should be Sandra. And then that, they like kind of said that louder. So like Jonathan heard and he's like, so it's Sandra. They're like, yeah. And he says, are you sure? Yeah, like, why and did I was, do that? I don't know. <laughs> I was so confused. I'm like, he doesn't he should, usually just... say that. <laughs> that I felt like, because what if he said, okay, Sandra, come on. You chose Sandra, come on. Because they yeah. said yes. And, um, and it would have made for good TV. So I don't. I was shocked that he that he even made the yeah. doubt of. Yeah, I was very, I was very confused. Jeff never does that. He's like, are you sure you want to be doing this? <laughs> I mean, he's probably right for saying it because... They shouldn't be wanting to do that, but that was really funny. And yeah, um, then I think, yeah, I think you're right. I think it was Sam that said, um, oh, Dave just lost his just lost his loved one, so let's have him go. And everyone was like, oh, you're right. Okay. Um, I don't really know why that was. I, I don't know that why that was. Especially because they still wanted to vote him out. And like, it was yeah. weird. It's like, okay, the one that I'm going to go and try and vote out, like it's, it's strange gameplay. We're going to let him go to um, yeah. this reward and we're going to give him the opportunity to potentially find something because everybody should have known. Um, there's a few fans in that sh on that side. I'm pretty sure Sophie's a fan. I know Jesse's a fan. Jesse, very early on, um, by yeah, the way, right. low-key challenge beast this season. Every one of the challenges he's, becoming like the Aussie this season. I really want to see how far he gets. And he does look like he's got a cool personality. Mm -hmm. um, I just need to see a bit more content from him because after episode one, he's pretty quiet when it comes to mm -hmm. confessionals. But um, there's a few fans. There's a few people who know the game. There's a few people who know who the players are. Um, there's some who've played the game before. Very shocked at the decision-making going into this. Um, but then again, it did give us one of the better TV moments here for the first three episodes where David... Uh, you know, Khan, as good of a player as he is, 
basically bends him over and gives him a nice spanking and sends him back home saying, I'm not going to give you anything so that you can try and like get the target minimized on your back. I don't owe you anything. I thought that was hilarious to see. Maybe not great for his social game yeah. if he does end up on a tribe with Khan again, but definitely good TV. For sure. That was, that was really funny. You know, obviously, best thing to do is probably build some trust, give them, give them an item and say like, Hey, like, you know, I helped you. Maybe you can return the favor. He was not having any of it. He was out for blood. The second he saw Brianna was gone. And it's, I, I I was just thinking, it's so funny that he ended up choosing the guy who orchestrated taking his daughter out of the game. I thought that was really funny. And yeah, he just and you remember his reason. He's like, "Oh, Khan looks like he's trustworthy. He'll tell it to me straight." Yeah, and I'm like, "This is why Khan's so be, good." <laughs> literally, could not be more farther from the truth. So yeah, that was funny. And yeah, he he said when he was saying it back to his tribe, was, that was really funny. He was like, "Oh, are you going to give me an item?" No, no, I'm not. And <clears throat> what was the? Uh, they did not really focus on the items that he actually did get. What did he get? Like fishing gear uh like it was there, there was some fishing gear and some protein that he got back for the guy saying we'd rather have food here and then he i'm trying to remember what else it was but it was it was some fishing gear and protein i think like different protein stuff like food that they got taking back yeah. and then obviously khan goes back with nothing khan's story going back and, and it was confusing in the episode because you know i wasn't too sure if they could play the idol, because they were talking like, oh, I've got all this confidence. I've got the super idol. I'm like, you don't have the super idol. Because yeah. the one thing I will give into defense of this, like I know that the super idol is very unpopular in the fandom. Fans don't like it. I would, I would, um, uh, like, I mean, yeah, it's, it's hard to argue against it. There's some other twists that's come in recently that's also been very overpowering that I don't like, like the knowledge is power twist hated that twist um and, and obviously luckily it doesn't find its way here but um i'm fearful for 42 because they didn't get to see how badly it was received by okay. the audience um the super idol what i do like about the super idol in this sense and i don't mind the super idol making its way to the game every now and again i'm not as low on it as some other people i just don't want it to become a staple for every single season for there to be a super idol um I like the fact that you've got two separate idols and you've got to work with someone else to put it together because it also leaves it open for a potential juicy blind side um, where you could say, listen, mate, I'm with you. If your name gets pulled, we'll play it together or vice versa. And then when they get blindsided, kind of like the, the the Taj moment when the people are looking at him as like, hey, will you play the idol? Will you play the idol? And he didn't play it in that scenario for, mm. um, what was it? Ba back in, Stop. I forgot the season with Michelle one. Yeah. Korong. Uh, yep. Yeah, yeah. That was a brilliant moment. So it leaves it open for that type of moment to potentially mm -hmm. happen. Uh, but the one thing I wasn't clear on was the fact that they could actually play these idols individually. Were were you clear and were you shocked? Because I thought up until the end, I was like, David's going home because I couldn't remember them saying that the idols had power individually. I was very confused. I had to rewind to go back and like I read it and was like, okay, they are idols on their own. So it's it's basically it's basically the Korong idol. I think it's the exact same actually, where they're yeah. idols on their own, or you can combine them and make it a super idol. And then if yeah. one is gone, then you, it's no longer able to be a super idol. So you got fishnet nuts and beef jerky. Yes, I do remember him saying beef jerky. So they did not show him picking that at the challenge 
too focused. It was probably on one me. of the least interesting things was actually picking the food. It was more yeah. about the advantage and what he was going to take back home to camp. But um, yeah. you know, he still had to get it right in regards to playing it. But before we go into that, um, Khan going back home, showing them half an idol. What's it's kind of like what's the point in that now? Like if you could play it individually, you might as well just tell them I've got an idol, you know. But people mm -hmm. might ask the question, hey, that looks like it combines with something. So he mm -hmm. was probably scared that they were gonna think that it doesn't have power and they're gonna try and blindside him or something like that. So he shows yeah. them half the idol and he's quite honest about it. What did you think of that approach? Do you think that he did the right thing going back there, telling him telling everybody that he's got an idol? Yeah, you might as well. He's in a really good position right now. So there's there's no need to like, you know, keep it secret and then like, oh, I hear my name and then play. It's like he's in a fine position, so you might as well tell him. And and I don't know if they were sincere, but, you know, they're like, hey, we really appreciate you telling us. I don't know if that was sincere, but if if it was, then that's really good. Um, I know I would be grateful yeah. that he said that he was honest, you know. Um, so I, I thought it was I thought it was smart um specifically for him if it was someone else like shay then no keep it keep it secret or david who kept the secret obviously and, yep. and i mean david yep. has in a different position because he came back with something for the tribe so yep. um his story was hilarious though <laughs> like i'm talking about the whole the, thing the and then this thing drops and it's like a soap yeah. and like i was laughing at that was, like it showed well, he does <laughs> have some social skills yeah i think that kind of that was a bit interesting that he decided to throw that in there. Um, it was hilarious. It was good to you. It was. Like, it I was really it. funny. Everybody was like, and now he's going to tell us he's got the idol. <laughs> yeah. They're like, oh, no. Um, have we ever seen where someone plays an idol correctly at the very first tribal council, like of that tribe? I don't think, I think this is the first time, especially with a 12 person tribe. Yeah. I don't know if we have. Um, I'm sure someone that that is in the live stream might know the answer to that. I don't know if we have. I know that George last season used this advantage to remove half of the people, and one of the people that he removed yeah. was Way, who was definitely going to go home if, if he didn't yeah. do that. So um, in that sense, it was used, but it could be a first that someone actually played it correctly. But I was very impressed by him. Like probably wasn't they were probably not good at hiding the fact that they were going to vote for him to be honest. But still, he he could have gotten it wrong. Other players have gotten it wrong in the past, and he did play as idol, negating I believe eight votes here in the first one, and um, only barely did we see Kate going home being collateral damage. And Kate being a super fan, we didn't really talk much about her because sadly she didn't have much of an edit. Like her edit was only around her brother, um, mm -hmm. but she was just guilty by association and, and and became the the collateral damage. But I did read that Kate had the perfect exit speech planned in case the original plan went through because apparently the original plan going into that and she was aware of this was that everybody was going to put their votes on her so she was going to go home and she knew that and then obviously dave put his foot in his mouth on tribal council which meant that she went home so her, or that he they wanted to vote for him but her original plan was to use her brother's words as she left to say and dave's got an idol which he had and it would have been the most hilarious ending to that episode oh, because it would have been true my gosh i forget when andy said that that was he would he didn't know that dave no, had didn't. an idol but yeah, he, he just he actually said. did though right yeah he did yeah he did yeah and that, and, so and, and, that would have been and, <laughs> Dave that was gone like an episode or two later, so like funny. he was gone.
<laughs> yeah, that would have been so funny. They both just said it without even knowing and they were both right. Like what and they're both both their names are David. How unlikely is that that's hilarious that would have been funny i'm I'm kind of pissed that it didn't happen to be honest with you (laughs) i saw i saw something i think it was posted on reddit or twitter i forget um it was like oh andy he was just talking to future kate when he said dave has an idol watch out because he (laughs) he ended up idling her out i thought that was really funny too that is that is hilarious um what did you think of the the challenges here? I think it's one of the things we we didn't really talk too much about. Um, you know, overall, I'm always very impressed by Australian Survivor putting a really good show forward for the challenges, and more so specifically, Sandra has only sat out of one challenge I think so far, which is a, a pretty big shocker. She's actually participating in all of these challenges at the moment. Yeah, it's no longer the Sandra bench. It's uh, it's moved on, different name now. Um, Yes. So yes, there's a funny that's, meme that's on was, from yeah, Shannon Bass, RF showcasing yeah. Dave as an idol in three pictures. Yep. That's what I was referring to as Shannon. Um, so as you were saying about the challenges, personally, I'm not a huge challenge guy. I don't really um, pay too much attention pay, to it. Pay too much attention. But in fact, with the last season, uh, I, I usually skip them. But with this one, I have been watching them. Um, just because, I don't know, I just decided to. And I, I did enjoy them, uh, especially I, I liked the uh, the one where they had to like push the barrels down. Like that it was, was like, cool. kind of like bowling. I thought that yeah. was pretty. Jesse was killed pretty... that, by the way. Yes. Challenge yes. beast at the moment. Yeah, he yes, I was just it. about to say that. Yeah, he, yeah. he totally, because they were behind and he totally saved them. Um, <clears throat> that challenge specifically, I would say, is one that stood out. I really liked that one. Um, yeah, you know, one where they had to go through the the battering rams that they had to use in the first episode, mm-hmm. and then for some other reason, water got through the first one without any issues. Blue, I should say, and then that second one just did not want to budge. It kind of looked off, yeah. but I think it was their technique uh, where Mark at one point was saying you need to lift it higher, so we kind of hit it in the center, opposed to the bottom of the of the mm-hmm. the wall that they're trying to get through. So um, that was an interesting one. A lot of the one of the things I really enjoy about the the season again here, and I really think that if there's one thing that um you know i know that the u.s survivor is starting to play with the the whole um, backstory from home and who they are as people outside of the game which i really enjoy it's tough to do it in the u.s because it's uh, a shorter runtime in the episodes but one of the things i do think the u.s season could definitely take some tips from australian survivor and i've always said this is the challenge department because their challenges like i mean i didn't know that there's that many different variations of an obstacle course that you can do when it comes to immunity challenges like they consistently bring like you said the barrel roll then it's the hatchet throw to get the paint um mm-hmm. there's consistently interesting and innovative ways that they sort of mix things up in these challenges and at this stage i feel like the teams are very equally matched it just so happens that um the one team uh the the, the red team won more uh, i guess immunities in the beginning and the water team won more of the rewards which is just ironic that it played out that way but i do think that we're in for a good season and i'm really having my fingers crossed here that we'll go back and forth on these tribes winning in the challenges um and that it will be a consistently good season throughout when it comes to people going to tribal council yeah i think i think you're right i think this these two tribes are pretty even um in those uh past two immunity challenges it was neither of them were really blowouts so um could go back and forth i think it will i'm curious when the tribe swap is going to be because obviously that'll put 
a lot of ta- of a lot of messiness with the blood versus water twist. A lot of um, I wouldn't be surprised if that sort of happens in week three. I think we're probably going to see another three episodes without a twist or a swap and then week three we might if if my memory is correct we might see a swap around that but you're right that could be interesting because you'll have um siblings playing in the same team and um could could make for some interesting viewing and in some ways i hope that they let it play out a little bit longer so that there's less people with pairs going into Mm -hmm. something like that otherwise it just makes the ones without pairs the easy target it seems to be the theme of the season at the moment and i want them to try and avoid that for as long as they possibly can in this season Mm -hmm. Yep, for sure. I agree. Now, I want to finish it off here, Jake, as we get into the end of the podcast here with um, both of us doing some nominations. Normally, we would have a cast assessment. Obviously, with this season, I didn't get into a cast assessment uh, with you, Jake, but probably in the future, we'll we'll do some funny drafts and stuff like that again. Um, but looking at this, what I want to do this season is I want to have uh, us nominate who we think were the top three players for this specific. In fact, let's make it the top five players. Let's make it real fun here. We'll go for the top five players. We think that played the best game. Um, this is very edit heavy, obviously, because you know we can only talk about the, the games that we did see. Um, and yep. what I'm going to start doing is I'm going to, I'm a bit of a spreadsheet guy at work. I've never really brought spreadsheets to any of the podcasts, but I want to have a point system this season so we can track who throughout the whole season were top dog in week one, week two, week three, and where did we end up on? Did we call it right? Do we have a good finger on the pulse in regards to who we think is ultimately going to be running this season? And um, as we do this, we might do a, a, even a bit of a screen share here so I can show you guys what I'm looking at at the same time when it comes to the cast and those that have got the, the video version of this up could at least see the visual of it as well. These are all the players here. Obviously, we've got Andy, Brianna, and Kate who are the first ones voted out up until this point. For those that um, don't know about survivor.fandom.com, there's a great wiki online where you can read into the players um, and get a little bit more background on them as well. Um, And for me, I guess both of us will go one-on-one. I'll nominate who I think is the number one player, um, and then I'll get you to also nominate at the same time who you think is the number one player. And I'll just make some notes on the side here so I keep track of it for the pointing system afterwards. Um, and we can sort of give points to people. So I think whoever's number one gets five points. Number uh, two gets four points, three, two, one, all the way down to one. Would that work out right? For, uh, number one, five. Number two, four. Yep, three, that two, works. One. Yeah, something like that. Great. Okay, so number one player for me, and I'll give you a few minutes here to think um, – and you can go first with uh, first with number two. So you'll go, I'll go number one. It's like a snake draft. You go number one and then number two first, and then I'll go number two. So that way okay. um, yeah. we both can sort of think about it a little bit differently. And we both have got our own separate points here that we can give the players as well. So for me, number one so far in this first episode, the person who I think is my early winner pick for this season is going to be Mark. Um, I've been very impressed with Mark coming back this season. I think that um, of everybody that's playing the game, he's got the advantage of having played this game once before. He knows where he's gone wrong, um, and he's come back with a real focus on him, not to be the vocal leader, not to be the one that's going to drive the strategy uh, very in your face. But I think behind the scenes, everybody is coming to him with the plans. He's the, the, the central source of information. Everybody wants to align with him. And unless people see him as a threat by the time they get to the merge because of how big he is physically, uh, I do think Mark, in my opinion, could be there in the long run and could be the winner for this season. So my five points for week one is going to go to Mark. 
Uh, and over to you, Jake. What do you think for your number one spot and then follow with number two? You know, I was either going to pick Mark or this other person, and I think I'm going to go with this other person. I think I'm going to go with Nina. Nina, okay, yep. Big, yeah. bold call right from the start. Nina, what do you like about Nina, and why are you putting her in your number one spot, giving, you, giving her five points here in week one? Nina, I like that. I think I mentioned this earlier. Her, along with Mark, were able to get out Andy while it was completely their plan from what we saw. Um, but they were totally able to convince everyone that you know it was it was it was their idea, their their best interest to do it. Um, you know, they she they she and Mark just sort of subtly were like, "Oh yeah, Andy's pretty." You know, he's pretty untrustworthy, isn't he? He's kind of, you know, going after Alex. You know, it's like kind of unfair, da, da, da. And they were like, totally, yeah, we totally need to get him out. And I think she just played that really well. She was pr pretty quiet in episode three, but, you know, they didn't go to tribal that episode. So, yeah, yeah overall. Nobody's she, looking at her. Nobody's looking at her or voting her way at this stage. So she seems to be sitting in a, in a pretty safe spot. Yeah, it's interesting. The only person I've seen throw her name out is david who's on the other tribe he he mentioned it a couple times was like yeah sandra needs to go and her daughter she knows all her tricks it's like dude she's not she's not even on your tribe yet like calm down and you know, like you haven't even met her yet you have no idea um so yeah the only person that has even really thrown her name out is on the other tribe so I think All right. Well, it. you're you're first with um, the number two pick as well. So, who's your number two pick for week one? We're we're able to pick like repeats, right? Like I can pick Mark. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, I'll go with Mark then. They're kind of they were one and two for me. All right. And me anything and that you want to add to Mark, maybe differently from what I've mentioned, or? Yeah, I really like the. Um, I really like his relationship with Khan. I think that's pretty cool that's i would never really guess that they were close uh because yeah. from what we've seen they've not really interacted much so it's pretty cool that they kind of like you know came together for like one second hey we should work together let's keep it you know keep it on the low but okay and then separate and then now it's just gonna you know that'll be there in the background for the rest of the for the rest of yeah, the stealth um, ones Yep, I really like that. And I like his, he's just got a lot of good relationships so far with uh, Nina as well. They were able to flip it on to Andy from Alex. Okay, so I'm going to be going into my number two pick now. And I am super in two minds about this, but I also don't want to be a copycat. So I'm going to go to Khan for my number two spot. Um, and like I've mentioned previously, I think Khan is going to be a big player this season. Like he comes across as almost like George like player, but at a way more devious villainy way than George. I think George was just misunderstood and was a bit of a social outcast within his yeah. tribe early on until he could find his footing where, um, Khan is way more dangerous even than George in my mind in the sense that he's kind of like we just mentioned, he's a bit of a stealth agent. He's like a ninja, you know, undercover, 
really ruthless where I don't think a lot of people have picked up on that yet. I think the big thing with Khan is the first time that he shows his colors and makes a really, really big move, he's going to struggle potentially to recover from that and people are going to see his true colors. So yeah. I don't know how good it's going to go for him long-term, but I feel like he's really in control of that tribe. He's got the, 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 the big man, Mark, who's my number one pick as his close ally. I do think we, for a reason, saw them talk about their alliance. So the big question is going to come, who does Mark choose ultimately to go deeper with? Is it going to be Nina or Khan? Because I do feel like we're going to see a Nina Khan potentially head to head at some stage in this season. Um, so very interested to see how that's going to play out uh, for the rest of the season. And then my number th three pick, because I also have the next pick, which would be number three for this week one. Um, I was in two minds between who I was going to go for here, but I'm going to go with Nina uh, for this one. I have been impressed by Nina. Um, I have a feeling that Nina potentially could be someone uh, this season that is going to uh, fail or flail out close to the merge or just after the merge because she's going to become too big of a player and people are going to notice her and she's not going to be able to stay under the radar for too long. Uh, but I can't fault her on what my gut feeling is about her edit. I've got to give her credit for what I've seen. And so far, she's done nothing wrong. She's played very well within herself. Like you said, giving other people planting seeds, let them make the decision. Uh, she's got a very collaborative approach, but she she's not there to be a passenger. She is there to be a driver. Um, and she's aligned with the top player, in my opinion, in the game at this point, which is Mark. So uh, I can't rank her any lower than third so she gets three points from me and she is in third place here uh back over to you jake with the number three and number four pick for week one all right i want to switch it up go to the other track now i'll go with sophie sophie okay tell us what you like about sophie because we have not really spoken about her at all in this podcast we so haven't what do you like about right so she was very quiet in this last episode so it's not too fresh in my mind but i just remember She's just got some good um, <clears throat> relationships with everyone. I think she talked to Sandra a bit. Um, you know, they're kind of, you know. She's learning from her. She's like the understanding. Learning. She, yeah. Yeah. And um, also we saw a little bit about um, her talking with David. And she was like, you know, t I think she played it really well where she was like pretending to go along with the Sandra stuff. But, um, and apparently she's very close with Sam as well. Um, cause at tribal council, her voting confessional, she, um, was like, oh, I'm coming after you, Dave, because you're going after someone that I love, Sam, you know? So she's close with her. I think she's just, there's not a lot that we can go off of on the, the blood tribe, but I wanted to switch it up and choose someone not from the water. Cause that would be a bit. Water's just been dominating. Like you know, have, when it comes uh, to, st to strategy, it's like Sam said in this last episode. They didn't talk strategy until they had to, absolutely yeah. at the last minute. And they're like, that's why they had so many different opinions of who they wanted to send home. That's what happens when you don't talk strategy for six days yep. before you get to tribal council. It was longer. It was I think it was nearly nine days probably before they went to tribal council. So yeah. um, th that's always going to happen. But uh, yeah. Anyways, I'll, I'll talk about Sophie if she does make my top five. I guess um, definitely. I can see why you're putting her there. She's been one mm -hmm. of the few players on the water trap that have had an edit. Right. Yep. I think she's, she's definitely got the best edit on the, the red tribe. And I'm just, I'm just looking at the red tribe right now. There's not a lot to go off of. 
you know, we know Sandra, obviously. We know Sam, because she played previously. Um, Croc was very under the radar in the past, like, two episodes. He, you know, we, we know David, but he's he's not making the top five. Um, yeah. But, That's you know, I, I, I wanted to... Yep, I wanted to switch it up a little bit, and I, I believe Sophie's probably playing the best out of those guys. Mm-hmm. And um, you've also got the number four pick here that you're going to give two points to. Who is going to be your number four pick for week one of Black versus Water? I'll go with Khan. Mm-hmm. And you know, there's not a lot that I can really add that you that we haven't already talked about. But um, again, I think he's just. I really like he's just not afraid to play the way he wants to. He's he's just trying to have fun. And it's also working out really well for him. He's definitely in a really good spot right now. He might be the most ruthless chef we've ever had on the show, you know. So he comes from Master Chef previously um, yeah. in Australia. So he's competed there. I think he's I, I don't know how he did. I never watched Master Chef, but Master Chef is a, a massive TV show in Australia, very, very popular. Yeah. Um so I don't know uh, how devious he was. <laughs> probably you don't probably get to be too devious in a in a chef show, but um still it, it's quite interesting to see him come in and be the chef around the house and you know, or I guess around camp and then be this devious guy. I'm just loving him. Like I just he's my like very very hot take very early on he's my favorite player so far i'm really enjoying him just because of the deviousness and the fact that he's ruthless i, I love it like bring it we need that type of character on the show um but there's a lot of good characters but if i had to pick one right now i'd say he's probably entertainment value i'm, I'm putting him at the top for me um with chrissy chrissy is also very entertaining um which is she's someone that we have not mentioned here in the top five as of yet but she's from an entertainment standpoint she's definitely uh, top two yeah for sure um was I going to say? I was going to say, yeah, he um, I haven't had many chefs on the show, but um, definitely a step up from the last chef we had that I can think of, uh, Keith. Famous. That's all I can think of as well as Keith. Um, Keith yeah. made it pretty far that season, but he was never going to win. Yeah, much much less ruthless than Khan is. It's already <laughs> three episodes in. All right, well, I'm going to, um, I know that it's probably kind of boring for people here that are watching it, but I'm going to stick to Sophie here for number four. I can't probably put it any lower than that. So the slight change to the shakeup here, but, uh, I did notice that with Sophie, and I'll give her two points here, she hasn't had much opportunity to drive the strategy yet or to be the person that is leading it. But um, one thing that it's going to be a double-edged sword for someone like a Sophie on this season is that she has said that um, she is someone that's used to running her day-to-day. -day. She's a businesswoman. Um, obviously, previously, uh, I believe she was the girlfriend of a very popular AFL player. AFL is like Australian Football League um, a player over in, in Australia, I believe. I could be wrong about that, but I know she was a, a, a girlfriend of a, a sports star in any case. I'm not so familiar with um, all the different codes, and especially when it comes to um, Australian football rules, I'm very much not across that because that's similar to how you guys have got the NFL. That's an Australian only thing. Only Australians play, as far as I know, uh, that sport. But, you know, she's coming into this thing quite ruthless and she said that she is surprised she hasn't told anybody to f off yet so it tells me that she is someone that has got a very strong personality that if she's pushed the wrong way the claws are going to come out and um she's got a very feisty uh sensei 
teacher, trainer, and someone like Cassandra here. Um, it'll be interesting to see how long she has Sandra along for the ride. Like you said, there is a relationship between her and Sam that we haven't seen. Um, I don't know if she wins this, but she to me seems like she's very calculated and she's playing within herself right now but she understands the social dynamics within her tribe. She sits pretty comfortably. No one's mentioning her. Um, no one else in the blood tribe has really impressed me all that much. I'll have to be honest. Um, Sandra is just an OG, but, um, and I mean, if you look at Sandra, if you had to say like how, if you had to rate Sandra out of five, and this is an interesting one, if you had to rate Sandra out of five for how she's played her game so far, coming in with the target she's had, what would you rate her out of five right now? Honestly, probably like, four five maybe even five i don't really know what I, I would i'd give her a five i'd give her five yeah, man like, I, I don't I, think she could have yeah. done anything better yeah i'll go with five honestly i don't know what what else could she even do better her name was gonna be out there at the first vote no matter what there's nothing she can do about it she is sandra like that's just it, it's what it, it is what it is someone was gonna go after her and the fact that she only got one vote is pretty remarkable and she you know wasn't what? even no, that wasn't even really a, a like a real vote. It was just a, a contingency plan. So, for that reason alone, she's my number five pick here. Like yeah. I have to give her respect because I said no one impressed me on the Red Tribe. But listen, like it could have only gone down for Sandra this this the first three episodes. Like, I mean, coming with that big of a target, no one else on the season, and she does not add physically that much to a tribe. Mm -hmm. I mean she by all means could have been number one voted out and i would not have been shocked so her surviving one specific tribal council understanding that she has to play nice she can't play the u.s game like russell had a big big error that he made when he came in trying to play a u.s game very cutthroat from the beginning people didn't um take to that at all he didn't change his game coming into that so you know, Sandra changing her game and adapting it, she said, there's always different ways to play the game. It's just, what is the game that is required right now for me to be able to get further? She's playing the right game there. Because this is the first time, I mean, game changes, there were some big threats, not a threat at her level, but still there were some other bigger threats around her. And then Winners of War, there was other big threats around her. She's come okay. into a season where she stands out like a sore thumb. So for yep. me, based on that alone i'm going to give the queen respect i'm going to put her in fifth place here as the players that impressed me the most in week one so my number one mark with five points my number two khan with four points my number three nina with three points my number four sophie with two points and then number five sandra with one point and i feel very confident about that top five here um for week one at least yep um i'm gonna go with sandra with my number five too actually you've convinced me i wasn't gonna do it but now thinking about it there's who was just... the other person that I that I like? Who's the other person that I talked you out of giving the the fifth spot? Just so ah. um, that person can add me if they're listening to this. <laughs> you know, I think it was going to be Chrissy. Yeah, Chrissy's been great. Yeah. Like she's an honorable know, mention for sure. We I hadn't really thought about it until we started talking, but you know, her social game's been really good. Honestly, like people seem to really like her and gravitate towards her, and I think she's doing well and. Uh, just to elaborate on Sandra a little bit more, you know, she is known very notoriously bad at challenges. Mm. Australian Survivor is the most physical challenges we've ever seen. Hands down. And she hasn't been called out for it 
once yet. Well, JLP did it once. To I heard, I would like there was the one where they had to push people over, like the the I think it was like the rolling yeah. thing, and yep. and he's saying, "Oh, Sandra's struggling," and she wasn't even struggling. I was like, "JLP, what are you doing?" Like she was like she, flying for it. <laughs> she struggled for like one second, and then she was able yeah. to pull herself. JLP over. was just looking for that moment. He's like, "I'm gonna call it out. I'm gonna call it out." <laughs> yeah, the whole entire time when David is trying to convince people that she needs to go had nothing to do with her challenge performance yeah. it was solely on her reputation and her strategic ability to maneuver and that's pretty incredible that no one even mentioned her you know lack of challenge ability when that is pretty much what she's known for as her biggest flaw so yeah, I think I think that easily gets her top five. I'm, if we were to start back at the beginning, I might even put her higher. Honestly, now thinking, yeah, about just it. based on that, I think she deserves an honorable mention. But I don't think she drove any strategy. A lot of it was, ah, oh, I'm going to come after David. David's coming after me. I'm going to make sure he gets voted out. I don't think she had any influence on where the vote went. But just for the fact that she played defense as well as she did, I think she deserves to be in the top five in my mind with the target that she's got on her back. Um. I'm very dangerous when it comes to influencing people. So for those that are listening to this podcast and that are also challenge fans on the weekend, I'm going to be on the angel cake entertainment channel uh, here on YouTube, where we're going to be talking about the challenge and we're going to be um, defending very unpopular opinions. So unpopular opinions on Reddit and fans not liking certain people, we're going to be defending them as to why they are good or why this twist is good or things like that. So it's going to be up to us to try and, convince people to change their mind on unpopular opinions for the challenge so that should be a lot of fun um i might be able to persuade one or two people like i did here with jake to uh put sandra in his top five at the end of it but jake i've had a blast man this has been so much fun and out like i told you beforehand it's like ah, oh, we'll probably talk about this for an hour but i mean i had so much fun it feels like we only spoke for about an hour and it's an yeah. hour and 43 minutes in i hope you had fun talking about this first um week of australian survival i think week two what's going to make it exciting for me is if we come in here and our top fives look very differently. I think that could be very exciting. Um, and, I, and I don't think, I think this season we could see that. We could see a lot of people, um, you know, when you're that high, when you're Mark and you're being rated number one or you're um, Nina and you're being rated number one, it's a, it, you can only go down from there. Yeah, for sure. With um, Australians, however, they tend to, you know, this person's in the spotlight, you know, Nina, uh, we saw it. she kind of started to um, her visibility started to go down a little bit um, in episode three, you know, and then somebody will come into the spotlight and they're going to, you know, do something really great. And then that will put them in our top five and then we'll have to replace someone. So I think next week I'm calling it right now. Definitely at least two or three. Spots yeah. Yeah, and that's why it's going to be interesting to do the Excel spreadsheet, have a little bit of a uh, a table that'll show us how people are changing directions and how they're trending throughout the season. I think yeah. it'll be pretty exciting by the time we head to the end of this season. But overall, it's been a great you know, fun talking to you about this specific week of Australian Survivor. I'm looking forward to next week to see what's going to happen. Um, we should be back next week instead of doing it at this time on a Friday at 4 p.m. in New Zealand. I believe it's 2 p.m. over in uh, Australian Eastern Standard Time and it's 8 p.m. over in Arizona Time and it'll be maybe like 10 p.m. over in American Eastern Standard Time. Yeah. 
yeah, what we'll be doing instead of a, a Thursday or a Friday, depending on where you are in the world, it will move one day forward. It'll be the same time. So it'll be Saturday uh, if you're in Australia or New Zealand, or it would be on Friday evening if you're over in the US. And I'm looking forward to talking to you guys then. Uh, Jake, it's been great talking to you. Uh, everybody keep an eye on the Nullified Take for later on tonight when we talk about the amazing race. I will have my co-host, the lovely Michelle, back with me as well to talk about uh, the latest episode for the amazing race. Have you been following? that jake i haven't um oh. my girlfriend's family has been watching it and i was over at their house and like i watched it for like 20 minutes and i was like man i actually miss watching the amazing race so i i might catch up with it if i have time uh, yeah. but currently haven't really been keeping if up you with need, it. if you need to message somebody to talk to it about you know just send me a message i'll, I'll talk to you about the season it's been a fun season it's been a bit of a difficult season because obviously they had to cut it mid-season mm -hmm. and then yeah. reopen because of the pandemic but still a fun season to watch overall um for everybody that was here on the live stream sandy marcus marcus thank you so much for always jumping in on these um same with you uh, jenny k it's great to see you back sandy uh, very very good to have you as well here in the live stream always fun uh, to have you guys here and we look forward to seeing you next week and for those that are listening remember you can listen to this on youtube you can listen to this on spotify the nullified take podcast uh, also now on google Podcasts, apple podcast and anchor fm as well so if you like to listen to podcasts rather than watch it then definitely uh, go do that please remember to subscribe if you haven't done so as of yet put a like on this it does help with uh, this to get recommended these videos to get recommended on the youtube algorithm and if you're listening to it on any of those other platforms please remember to rate it if you do enjoy this uh you know different recaps that we're going to be doing here and we're hoping to have some uh future guests as well at some point on the podcast as well thank you very much guys and uh catch you next week goodbye <laughs>